Hidden beyond the human eye exists the unseen, a realm of spiritual forces squaring off in the supernatural, forces of cosmic power and proportion. And while the world spins, suspecting nothing, the enemy is on the move. His schemes finding footing in the familiar, his traps set in everyday episodes. So be prepared and ready to leave it all on the line. This is a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all the forces of evil and darkness. And they won't go down without a fight. The other day, I was out for a bike ride. It was a beautiful day. I was riding into the countryside, enjoying the scenery, and I was uh, thinking about God, and I was praising God as I was going along, and bam, all of a sudden, this bee stung me right between my rim of my sunglasses and the bridge of my nose, and man, did that little thing uh, give me a wallop of a sting. So I'm sitting there trying to flick it off and keep my bike on the road and get control, and after I finally got things settled down, that's when I began to worry a little bit. And that's because of my allergies. I began thinking, okay, did I bring my um, Benadryl? Did I bring my EpiPen? Yes, I've got everything in place. And then I decided, you know what? I'm just not going to take any risk with this. It was on the bridge of my nose. There's not a lot of blood vessels there. But I'm going to head home. And it ruined my ride, that little bee. Well, later on, as I was reflecting on that, I thought to myself, that is so much like spiritual warfare, isn't it? I mean, you're going along in life and everything is going so smoothly. Your prayer life is good. Your praise of God in music and in worship at church, you just enjoy it so much. You're reading your Bible. The kids are happy. Your spouse is happy. Everybody's happy at work. And it's like, man, you are living the life. And bam, all of a sudden, out of seemingly nowhere, the evil shows up, the evil one shows up, and he stings you. He stings you with maybe a disagreement, or he stings you with maybe a, an illness, or he stings you with some discouragement, or he stings you maybe with a bout of depression, but all of a sudden your, your day is ruined, your, your life seems ruined, and you get so focused on what the enemy is doing that you forget that you still belong to God. You know, one of the things I've been trying to teach all of us in this spiritual warfare series is this very important truth, and that is this. Just because you're following Jesus doesn't mean you're exempt from conflict caused by the evil one. Just because you're following Jesus does not mean you're exempt from conflict caused by the evil one. In fact, if you're really earnestly trying to follow Jesus, you're probably going to have more conflict than you otherwise would because he's trying to stop you and that's why paul wants us to take it so seriously now by now i hope you're starting to actually memorize this portion of ephesians 6 that i keep referring to let's look at it together paul reminds us he says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That is quite a list. 
Therefore, he says, because of this unseen realm that we're battling against, he says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, which is now, and having done all, to stand firm. So that when you get stung by the evil one, you can stand firm and not lose your way and not fall into the dumps, so to speak, but maintain that strong sense of faith, that strong, invincible sense that though this is happening to me now, I know that God is in control. Now, did you notice in the passage we just read that Paul says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, and then he lists all those powers and principalities. The point is, we are in a wrestling match with unseen powers that want to get at our soul. Every day, every day you get up, there's an unseen opponent just waiting to wrestle your, your soul to the ground, so to speak, and defeat you. Now, let me ask you a question, because we don't talk a lot about this. Do you believe in a soul? Do you believe in the living soul of human beings? You see, there are some people that don't believe that we have a soul. They believe we're nothing more than material beings. We're just like, the, we're just like animals. We're a, a bag of bones and biology and chemistry. We're born into this world at a certain point, and then we die, and that is the end. Never to be heard from again, never to live again, never to have consciousness again. Wow, that's a downer, isn't it? Then there are those who, who do believe in the material body, but also in an immaterial kind of spirit. But they're not necessarily followers of Christ or believers of the Bible. For instance, a lot of people around the world believe in reincarnation. So when you die, you're going to come back in a, in a different form, hopefully a better form, not a lesser form, depending on how you lived your life here. And then there are those, the uh, New Agers, who you know, believe that when you die, somehow... Uh, your energy is released and it's absorbed by the energy and the universe. And we become part of this impersonal uh, force of energy out there. Well, as followers of Christ, we believe that the soul is very real and is very conscious and has personality, your personality. I have my personality. When I die, the Bible said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is like a glove I'm wearing. I'm going to take this glove off someday. And I'm going to go into the presence of God. I, conscious me, conscious you. You will go into the presence of God. You will fully know him and be fully known by him. And what's going to happen is you're going to be perfected in that state. And then you're going to wait for your brand new body. Aren't you looking forward to that? See, Pastor Dale, that just sounds so fantastic. And what you don't mean is like fantastic, like, wow, I can't wait. This is exciting. What you mean is like, fantastic. It's really hard to believe that. It just sounds as odd as all the other kinds of teachings that are out there, that we have this soul and, and that we're going to go to be with the Lord. We're going to have a new body someday. Well, just stop for a minute and think about this with me. What if we are soulless creatures? What if there is no soul? There is no heaven. There is no God. Can you think about how miserable it makes life? And if that, if that is true, then in all honesty, your life and my life has no more value than a toad, than bacteria, or a mosquito. Get rid of that, right? I mean, if you accept the Darwinian view of things, 
then in essence, what you have to accept is that it's survival of the fittest. And it's that attitude that bursts discrimination. It is that attitude that bursts elimination of life. And besides that, increasingly as I read scientists, secular scientists, physicists, they're all coming to the conclusion that, listen, this, this universe had a start, a point in time when it began. Most people agree with that. The problem they struggle with is how did it happen? And, you know, some scientists are at the point where they just say, it just happened. We can't explain it. It just happened. And when I hear that, I go, oh, my goodness. That takes more faith than it does to believe that God, the beginningless one, caused it all to happen. So your soul and my soul, if we really have a soul, and I believe with all my heart, well, it's, it's an important deal. And we need to be really careful how we treat this soul because it's fragile. It's going to go on for eternity. You know, a lot of times you hear people talk about how you ought to treat your body, right? And so they tell you, you know, eat well, get exercise, get your yearly physical, do this, do that. And then they tell you, now don't mistreat your body. Don't go eating all kinds of junk food. Don't smoke. Don't, you know, don't get drunk. Don't get on recreational drugs. You know, don't... Uh, uh, get involved in situations where you might get a sexually transmitted disease. And, you know, they go through all these things. We worry so much about our body. But think about this. Your body is not going to last very long. And we, not, we have proof of that, right? But your soul. How often do we practice good soul care? Good soul care. Feed our souls with truth. Feed our souls with the love of God. Feed our souls with compassion and humility and service and how often do we mistreat our souls we mistreat our souls with bitterness and anger and jealousy and hatred and pride and competitiveness do you realize that what you do to your soul here and now determines a lot of what it's going to be like in eternity you're either going to shine with the radiance of god tim keller says or if we mistreat our souls, if we don't see them as valuable gifts given to us by God, we live on in eternity as the monsters that we have become by the way we've mistreated our souls. But you know, it's not just how do I treat my soul? How do I treat your soul? The way people treat our souls also has oftentimes an indelible effect on us. Speaking for those who have been abused, you know, I remember hearing an expert years ago write in a book and say, when you sexually abuse a child, you thin slice that child's soul and it never quite heals in this life. When you verbally abuse somebody, when you emotionally abuse somebody, you, you, you rip their soul, so to speak. And so I not only have to look out for my soul, I've got to look out for your soul as well. You say, where are you going with all this in spiritual warfare? Well, listen, if your soul and my soul is that fragile, do you get it? That's why the enemy is on the prowl to destroy your soul. Not just through your own foolishness, but through the foolishness of others, trying to touch your soul, trying to reach your soul, because he doesn't really care a lot about your body. He just wants to keep you from ever being with God. Now that takes us to something very important. Let's talk a little bit about the fight for your soul. It is a fight that is fought 
on many fronts. Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And what he, what he means there isn't that we don't ever wrestle against other people. I mean, I, I grew up in wrestling, okay? And uh, when, you are, when you're wrestling with your opponent, um, you are head-to-head, arm-to-arm, shoulder-to-shoulder. If you watch a good collegiate wrestling match, not the WWF stuff, um, have, you ever, have you ever watched? They're, they're moving and pulling each other. What are they doing? They're looking for a weak spot. And when you see that weak spot, you sense it, you see it, you take it, right? It might be a hip heist, and you put them down for a pin and a win. The enemy's always studying us. He's always looking at us. He's always trying to find a way in. And he does it on many different fronts. Let me, let me do a little drawing, because I haven't drawn for a while, all right? So let's see if I can even remember how to do it. Go back to the board, all right? Now, I want you to imagine two armies, like in the colonial days, which never makes sense when I watch those, those movies, right? The, you got the, the Brits lined up on one side, you got the Patriots on the other side, and they just kind of march toward each other and start shooting. I guess whoever has the most left wins on the field. But it kind of looks like this, right? You've got, you got this army coming at this army that's coming at that army, right? It's just, you know, one-on-one. On one. I know that my enemy is right in front of me. But what happens if tactics change? What happens if I still think it's being fought conventionally, meaning my enemy's just going to be dead ahead of me, but my enemy switches things around? Yep, my enemy's there right ahead of me, but the enemy's created flanks. Got an enemy here coming at me. The enemy's here coming at me. Maybe he gets even over here, excuse me, and he's coming at me. All of a sudden, I'm fighting a battle on many fronts. And if I'm only prepared to fight this way, I've lost the battle because I've got to be prepared for all those fronts that's coming at me. Now, let me give you a different example of, of the same idea, but this time let's talk about you and me, all right? So imagine that this is you, okay? And by the way, any resemblance is purely by accident, okay? So this is you, all right? And uh, you're here, and man, you've got this spiritual battle against this person over here who might be your boss that's really getting on your nerves, right? So you feel like you're fighting with them. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your roommate. Maybe it's, you know, somebody else. And, you know, there's there's that tension that exists, right? Well, what Paul says is, look, don't just get focused on this battle that you're fighting with, you know, flesh and blood people. Understand the battle's coming to you from lots of different directions, now, Paul wouldn't have said this in his day, but in modern days he would say this. You know, I've also got the media that I believe is under, under an immense influence by the unseen world. I've got it coming at me with all kinds of things and my kids, right? I've got secular education. And by the way, as I say that, let me just say I'm so thankful for God-fearing, Bible-believing teachers who serve in the secular education field. You guys, you administrators who love God and are in that place, I thank God for you. I cheer you, okay? But generally speaking, my goodness, the the system has changed. Far from Judeo-Christian. And oftentimes, the things that are being taught are not necessarily in alignment with the Bible. So I've got that coming at me or my family or my kids. Not to mention, let's talk about politics because I know none of you are thinking about it, all right? But 
all, you know, government, politics, and all the noise that's coming at us. Then you've got societal issues, all right, all around us, injustice on many different fronts, bigotry coming at us. I don't know, do you kind of feel like that right now? I think a lot of people feel this. I do. I just feel like it's coming from every direction. And that's the enemy's plan to come at us any way he can. And as we're going to start learning next weekend, and especially the weekends afterwards as we start our second series, How to Have Victory Over Spiritual Warfare, that's why Paul says, put on all of God's armor. Put it all on. If you don't put it all on, if you leave one section open, well, I've got a great story in a couple weeks to tell you about that. All right? We'll come back to that. Well, my point is, the enemy wants to destroy your soul. He wants to destroy my soul. And I've got to guard myself all the way around. I mean, how else do you explain what is going on in our world today? The relentless evil, the indelibleness of evil, you can't get rid of it. It's just there all the time. I came across something my favorite author, as you all know, uh, pastor and theologian, Tim Keller wrote in kind of a personal response to, to all of this. Here's what he said. He put it this way. Friends, he said, do you follow it? Do you understand that? There is evil within me. Why am I messed up? There's evil within me because I'm dishonest with myself and I'm clinging to things I shouldn't be clinging to. There's evil outside of me. My parents may have sinned against me, my friends sinned against me, or this particular group sinned against me, but then there's evil above me. There is a hierarchy of supernatural evil that just aggravates, coordinates, and manages the evil within you and outside of you. Well said, Tim Keller. And that's the situation that we, we find ourselves in. Now, how does, how does Satan manipulate us become so vulnerable. We've talked about this before, but I want to, I want to hit on it again, and then I'm going to emphasize it next week as we, as we have the last message, and I, and I transition to some really good news, okay? But look what Jesus says about the devil. Jesus says, for you are the children of your father, the devil. Whoa! Now he's talking to the Pharisees, all right? It's quite the insult. I mean, these guys thought they were the children of God, not the devil. They accused Jesus of being, you know, Bill's above. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I'm telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Zing! John chapter 8, verse 44. Notice what Jesus is doing here. He's drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying, look, you're either the child of the devil or you're a child of God. You either are living in the light or you're living in the darkness. You're either following supernatural goodness and truth or you are following supernatural evil and lies. There is no in-between. You cannot have it in-between. Now, I'm going to talk a lot more about this next week. You don't want to miss this. 
But I want, I want to just kind of hint toward it right now. Because the greatest deception Satan will pull on people is to make them think that there is no devil and there is no God. But you can be your own God. And that's what happened in the garden, isn't it? Or there is a devil, there is a God, but you, you can just be your own God. And there are a lot of us that get sucked into that. It's that idea that somehow I'm in control. And what, I, what I'm trying to say to you this weekend is, you are never in control. You are never in control. And I'll tell you why next weekend. But right now what I want to do is I want to focus on this idea of I'm in control. And see how the devil plays us with that. Oscar Wilde was perhaps the most famous uh, uh, critic and, and uh, man of literature during the Elizabethan period. And yet, we know from his life that he lived a horrible life of debauchery and immorality and, and, and just carelessness. In fact, when he died, he died penniless with cerebral meningitis. And toward the end of his life, he wrote something rather profound. And here's what Oscar Wilde wrote. He said, the gods had given me almost everything, a very talented individual. But I let myself be lured into long spells of senseless and sensual ease. Now, while uh, sexuality is being discussed here, the point of this isn't sexuality necessarily. Watch. I deliberately went to the depths in search of new sensation. I grew careless of the lies of others. It's all about me. It's all about me searching with my intellect, with my capacity, my ability to fill myself, to rise to the top. He goes on, he says, I took pleasure where it pleased me, and I passed on. Then he says, I forgot every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character. And that, therefore, what one has done in the secret chamber, one has someday to cry aloud from the housetop. I, says Wilde, I cease to be Lord over my soul. I cease to be Lord over myself. I was no longer the captain of my soul and did not know it. I allowed pleasure to dominate me. I ended in horrible disgrace. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, you know, I thought I was in control. I thought I had it made. I thought I could live life on my terms. And what I quickly discovered is I lost my life. That other things took hold of me. Pleasure. Power. Pride. Conceit. In the end, I became a slave to those things. Well, who's behind those things? Who's pulling those strings? Yeah, the evil one. The evil one is pulling those strings. He lets us think we're in control, but actually what he says we can have is really his bait. Like a fisherman, he sets the hook and just hauls us in while we think we're in control until it's too late. I'm going to spend more time on that next weekend. But I want to close with a scene in my mind from one of my favorite movies, and that is The Lord of the Rings. Or the ring. You know, in that movie, Lord of the Ring, that ring, right, that precious ring, says Gollum, 
was actually forged in the fires of Mordor by Sauron, the evil lord. He went into battle against humans. And one of the humans, a king, cut his arm off and he lost the ring which he had on. And when he lost that ring which represented his power, he just seemed to disappear. And evil seemed to be defeated. But the king who recovered the ring became obsessed with it because that ring had a power to it. That ring made one feel invincible. That ring seemed to fulfill one's desires, one's pride. And so they began to fight over the ring until it was lost and then found one day by Gollum. And then the hobbit's responsibility was to take it back, to carry that, wing, that ring and throw it into the fire of Mordor. So, okay, whatever. So I'm into the story. I get it. I don't understand fantasy. What is this all about? Well, that ring, what Tolkien was telling us is that ring represents that which we all crave and desire, and that's power. That's to be in control of our own lives, to set our own destiny, to decide what is right or wrong for ourselves. But what we don't realize is when we take that ring and we put it on and we decide to live by that ring, we're actually under the control of the evil Lord who created that ring. And I'm no longer the master myself. I become a puppet of evil. You know, I look at our, our world today, our country and countries around the world. And I'm telling you what, it is so obvious that evil is alive and real and powerful and destructive. And we see what it's doing to us. It's, we see what it's doing to our souls, the, the souls of our children, the souls of our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends. We see how people are being taken over by their own lust and by their own pleasure and by their own desires. I just wish we could realize that there's a puppet master behind the scenes controlling those strings. But God tells us those who wear his armor cannot be controlled by the evil one. In the next two weekends, we're going to transition to talk about how that armor works, what it means to wear it, and how to have victory over evil's attempt to destroy us. Please listen carefully. This isn't, this isn't a joking matter. This isn't something you just say, eh, yeah, spiritual warfare, I don't get it, whatever. I'm telling you right now, the evil one wants to destroy you. But God has given you and me the victory if we wear his armor. Let's pray. Father God, I know it's a heavy message, Lord, but these are difficult and heavy times. Father, all around us, we sense and feel evil. We see it at work, and God, we don't want to be manipulated by it. We don't want our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones, our friends to be manipulated by this evil. Father, we want people to know that there is freedom and it's found in Christ. That Christ alone is our hope and our freedom. 
That in him we find safety and we find security. Listen, if you're watching online and you have a sense that evil's having a play on you, let me ask you a question. Have you ever given your heart to Christ? Have you ever surrendered your soul to Jesus? Why not now? Why not say, Lord, I want, I want to live for you. I want to live under your grace and under your sovereignty and under your goodness. I don't want to be part of the evil kingdom. Today, Lord, I am turning to you. I'm turning my life over to you. I'm trusting you as my Savior. If that's something you want to do, and would like someone to help you with it, right there on the chat line there, as you're watching online, there's somebody there who's willing to pray with you, who's willing to respond to you. Just reach out to them, would you please? Or contact us here at our campus, and we'd be happy to follow up with you and help you understand the hope and the meaning and the joy that comes from a relationship with Christ. Folks, there's no denying in this world right now evil, supernatural evil is at work. But I love that verse that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen.